What's up, guys? It's your boy Lance from the Heel Turn Collective, and I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about our sponsor for the show, the Whole Fast Coffee Company. Whole Fast is based in Colorado Springs, and they are a responsibly sourced coffee that they grind in-house. You heard me right, in-house. And right now, if you use the promo code HEELTURN20, you get 20% off your entire basket today over at wholefastcoffeeco.com. So make sure you're helping out a great small local business and your favorite heels, and check out the Whole Fast Coffee Company. And now, for this week's episode. You are listening to the Heel Turn Collective Radio Network. You cannot counter-program the love, the genuine feeling, the damn revolution that is all elite wrestling! This is One with the Undercard, All Elite Edition. Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 26 of One with the Undercard. We are so glad you've chosen to join us again for all your All Elite Wrestling analysis. And I am not alone. I am joined once again this week by my boy Silky Jay Johnson. Silky, what's going on? It's me, it's me, it's your boy, Silky, here to bring you once again the best, and yes, we will of course discuss the worst in this week of all elite wrestling. Yes, uh, you you hit the nail right on the head, and a little bit of announcement right off the top, we will not have an episode next week, just so everybody knows, your boy's going to Colorado, I gotta help Shane, who is on one of our other shows here on the radio network. Uh, I got to help move back to Pennsylvania, so there will be no episode next week. Lance so have and to I go will through. actually be spending the holidays together. Absolutely we will. I will be spending time with Silky in his lovely home in Indianapolis, and I'll be spending some uh, some much-needed uh, you know, R&R time there at the, uh, at the Silky house. So I'm very excited about that. Um, but... Uh, you'll just have to get your AEW analysis from the second best guys that do this, not from the best, you know, because we bring you the best. And whoever Jay is the right. second best is, maybe it's the AEW Unrestricted podcast. That's probably second best to us. I would say so. Yeah, because they have the inside track, of course, <laughs> uh, because they actually work for the company. So, <laughs> uh, but yes, we are here to talk about AEW Dynamite took place. On November 18th, uh, Wednesday night, uh, another programming announcement that I guess we should just get off right off the top here. We will be going from Fridays to Saturday mornings uh, posting this. Friday is just a little bit easier for me and Jay to get around, so uh, we're going to be doing that. So obviously check uh, every single week. We will be here, but it will just be on a new day uh, on Saturday instead of Friday. So with all that out of the way, it is time to talk all things Dynamite. It did take place on November 18th, and and as we do every single week, Jay, much to your chagrin, my friend, it's time for the ratings. And this week, AEW's way up. It's way up. It comes in 850,000, 0.37 in the 1849 demo. Uh, NXT, 638,000. They got shellacked this week, even with Pat McAfee, who I think, who I've been on the record of saying is the best heel in wrestling right now. Um Again, Jay, when you hear these numbers, I know you don't give a shit about these numbers, but just humor me and all the millions and millions of fans that listen to this show. Just humor me for a second. What do you think of those rating numbers? 
I don't know, man. They sound pretty similar to the last week. Although that it is up, it is up um, in AEW defense, but it's up almost a hundred thousand. You know, yeah, but it's not like it's up. To... It's not like it's up one million. It's not like anybody's pulling a four point six anymore. Very true. I, I think the I think the biggest number Raw ever got. I was reading. I was actually reading this the other day. At the peak, the biggest number Raw ever got was ten million. That's insane. Just imagine that. 10 million 10 million people decided and that's not like that's 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 a lot uh, that's 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 a lot of fucking people you know 10 million is a lot of people do you know how many people that is that's 10 million yeah i mean this is all that this is all elite wrestling which has drawn as many as a million so um well i mean depending on what republican you talk to 10 million could be the number of coronavirus deaths and they would just be like, oh, it's only 90, 99% survival that only 10 million people died. Well, let's not get you know, political. I, we're, we, 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 we never we get do that here. Show. No, no, no. But, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, with, with those, I mean, with those numbers, I think that, uh, you know, you're coming in strong because you are coming up to the, the winter is coming, if you will, show I don't uh, December love that, 2nd. By the way, that's no, just, I'm not a, that, it's a straight, you could no, be way a, more clever. Like, yeah, like the first time they said it, I was like, oh, OK, nice little analogy. I understand. And mm-hmm. it's like winter is coming means literally nothing in all yeah. Of wrestling. Yeah, um, like there, that there's, will be- it's nobody's tagline. It's nobody's catchphrase. I'm I'm confused. Lance, well, they got I was hoping you might could tell me why winter. Yes, winter is coming. Thanksgiving is upon us is the last fall holiday uh, when normal people uh celebrate then set up their christmas decorations i think it's like a who have already set your decorations up shame on you jesus christ would you stop talking about these friggin decorations and let me tell you where winter's coming is coming from please from game of thrones i know that asshole but why is it relevant here it's not relevant here but i'm just telling you where they got the tagline from christ almighty anyway uh, so it is the Winter is Coming episode. That will be the next time me and Silky will be sitting down talking about an episode of Dynamite. will be the December 2nd show. Obviously, that's going to be wrapped around John Moxley and Kenny Omega for the AEW world title, which I am a big fan of, and I think that match is going to kick ass, man. I'm very excited about it. Uh, maybe not as excited as Jay here, but you know what? We We can't. It's going to be a good match. Don't tell me that I think that it's bad when you haven't even heard my analysis of it. I think it's going to be a fine match. It might be a little boring as with Moxley or with, excuse me, Kenny Omega as a champion. Might get a little boring. It might not. I don't know. I reckon we'll see. But I'm excited for the match because it's going to be an actual wrestling match. Okay. Well, you know what? You heard it here first. We will be there uh, bringing you the greatest analysis of all elite wrestling uh, than anybody does now. Um, I, I guess our new tagline for the show is we're critical because we care, because we're going to be super critical of a lot of things that happen on dynamite this week. It just happens. Hashtag you know, me and Jay are, the undercard cares. Yes, exactly. So me and Jay are natural, um, natural, you know, just, we like to look on the dark side of things. So, you know what? Just as With long that as being not said, the AEW dark side of things. You, you know, Lance. Before we dive into this, we've been we've been a little heated uh, here in these first few minutes. We'll just we'll just take a breath, reset, 
and we'll we'll move on. Everything is <sighs> everything is perfectly fine, my friend. Um, you're the one coming in hot uh, because <laughs> I, you're I'm such, the asshole. You're such a big fan of ratings and everything. You know, you just Ugh. poop all over me. But uh, but look, you know what? Without further ado, let's just get into dynamite this week, and it starts off with. Silky J. Johnson's favorite tag team. Of course, I am referring to Top Flight, who are the government names Darius and Dante Martin, making their AEW Dynamite debut against the tag team champions, the Young Bucks. Without getting into the match, Silky, when you first heard this match was uh, announced, how excited were you? Not excited at all. And I understand Uh. why this is happening. So Mm. Cody took his first TNT title reign to introduce us to some talents um, that we've seen around AEW now. Uh, Ricky Starks, Eddie Kingston, um, some that we haven't seen around anymore, Warhorse. Um, So we're going to get introduced to some tag teams here in the future. I think think it's probably smart that we look towards that. Unfortunately... When FTR, or excuse me, when the Young Bucks, um, the opposite of FTR, uh, when the Young Bucks bring in tag teams, they're not going to bring in wrestlers. They're going to bring in acrobats. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, before we kind of start dissecting this match, I just got to say, and I completely agree with our boy Jim Cornette. Why does Excalibur have the goddamn mask on? Please take it off. Like... You're making me sick with this mask. What did Excalibur do to you? I I think Excalibur, again, again, and I've said this five or six times, he makes Tom Phillips, you know, Tom Phillips makes him sound like Gorilla Monsoon, okay? Like, I think that Excalibur is actually an all right announcer when he's not trying to just, you know, mark out for every movie sees. But goddammit, I don't need the mask on. I don't need it. You're not a luchador. You're an announcer. Please, you know, anyway, you know what, that's my... If Rey Mysterio switched to commentary, you think Rey Mysterio would keep the mask on? Uh, Yes, because he's from Mexico, and Excalibur's probably from fucking... He's from San Diego. Yeah, I'm sure he's from from somewhere, you know, anyway. You know where, you know where where Rey Mysterio's from? San Diego. San Diego, yeah, well, you know, whatever. Anyway. Um, Listen, hear me when I say Rey Mysterio is legitimate luchador... Um, if El Santo were to do uh, commentary, I'm sure he would keep the mask on. Actually, actually, I believe El Santo was buried in his mask. So I don't even know who that is. So let's just like, talk about the young- El Santo is like the John Wayne of lucha libre culture. Yeah, I'm already asleep. Oh, anyway, uh, it's the Young Bucks and Top Flight. Uh, Matt and Nick Jackson, everybody's favorite acrobats, as we like to refer to them on this show. Um, top Flight, Darius and Dante Martin. And I got to say right off the top, Jay, I just got to say it, man. Top Flight reminds me of the Young Bucks. This was a complete Young Bucks match. Uh, it goes about nine minutes, and there is just, I mean, at one point, one of the guys in Top Flight was in the corner for 20 seconds, just sitting there waiting yeah. for the move to happen. Here's, like, I'm like, bro, I think it can't our, happen. I think our frustrations with top flight begin with the fact that their wrestling names and their real names are the same thing. Um, yes. So because we know they're not very creative, uh, the chances of them sitting in the corner, just sulking for 20 seconds 
uh, adds up. And with the name Top Flight, like you could come up with something better. They're clearly not yeah. very creative. Uh, Top yeah. Flight uh, is the name of a roller coaster at Kings Island. Uh, interestingly enough, when Kings Island was owned by Paramount, it was uh, based off of the Top Gun movie. And when they lost the rights to Paramount, they had to change it to Top Flight. And so that's the only thing I can think about when I think about this stupid tag team that should have stayed you, in the circus. Are you done yet? I'm oh not, my God. You know what? Now that, now that, now that you're going to antagonize me, I'm going to keep going. Jesus Christ. Well, this roller coaster was at Kings Island. I mean, if you go back to 1900, that's really where the bread and butter was, you know, 1920. We're talking oh about God. the Young Bucks and Top Flight here. And that's why I'm All saying right? this is, this, we already know it's going to suck because they're named after a roller coaster. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that little trip down memory lane. But, yeah, um, Darius is, is in the turnbuckle for like 20 seconds waiting for the move. He hits a standing Spanish fly, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, it gets two count, but Nick makes the save. Uh, they hit a suicide dive, you know, all the usual acrobatic stuff. Um, towards the end, they get they get a nice little near fall. The Young Bucks hit a, a sliced bread. You know what that is, right? The old sliced bread. I love that move. Um, Dante rolls him up for two, and then the Young Bucks hit the uh, BTE trigger knees. And that's it after nine minutes. Obviously, the tag team titles aren't on the line here. Uh, obviously, the Young Bucks are here to put you know a team like Top Flight over, give them some time on Dynamite. So overall, Jay, now you can break it down. What were your thoughts? Did you do you think that they put them over? Do you think that the Young Bucks actually put them over? I mean, look, like this is a team that I mean, this is their Dynamite debut. I think that's enough to get you over, isn't it? Yeah, like honestly, on a scale of one to ten, how much do you think they got over on a scale of one to ten? Um, okay, so you got me there. Probably like a five or a six, not very much. But I mean, you're in your your dynamite debut. You know, this team also reminds me a lot of Private Party, maybe because they're young guys and stuff, but in the way that they move around. But like, I mean, the Young Bucks kind of put Private Party over in the tag team title tournament. They did, you know, by. But yes, they did. They, 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 beat, they them. beat them with a roll-up after they hit their uh, big signature tag team move. Uh, they kicked out of Gin and Juice, or Silly String, one of the two, and then they beat them with a roll-up. That's not putting someone over. All right, well, um, so I, I assume you're... I, think, you're, I think they put them over on a scale of 1 to 10. I think they put Top Flight over on like at like a 3. Oh, Which wow. is like, yeah, you, you can come do your moves to us. <laughs> you are come, openly come critical your routine to us. You are openly critical of the Young Bucks. You know every what? We're going to watch, and after the match, Angelico and Jack Evans, uh, Lance's favorite, Lance's favorite tag team. <laughs> can I? All can I have a wrestling. second? You cannot. Can I have a, you cannot can I have because a I'm here? talking. So okay. they come in, they jump them afterwards, uh, obviously setting up for a, a feud between the two of them. Uh, uninteresting. We're going to get, yeah. but we're obviously going to get a little bit more of this top flight. Do you know what we're going to see after watching five top flight matches, Lance? What's that? We're going to see every top flight match ever. <laughs> okay. Now Too you shame. can go. Okay. So uh, I think, um, I think the word that you use to describe that is the perfect word to sum this up. I don't think I've ever been more uninterested in a feud than the hybrid two and top flight. I've never been more uninterested. Jack Evans and Angelico are two of the most vanilla professional wrestlers 
I have ever seen. And Helico, and when it comes to the ring, he looks like a, like a real life version of somebody that you would see on like Just Dance. Uh, I don't know, man. Look, I'm done talking about the Young Bucks. I'm done talking about Top Flight because their next feud is with the Hybrid 2. And that <laughs> that has AEW Dark written all over, all it, man, over it. Dynamite, it should not be. Dynamite should not be. That shouldn't be anywhere near Dynamite, please. For my sanity, for wrestling fans everywhere, do not put the Hybrid 2 and Top Flight on Dynamite, please. What do you want to see more on AEW Dark? Uh, or actually, which one do you want to see more on Dynamite? Not Dark, but Dynamite. Uh, TH2 versus Top Flight, or the librarian Peter Avalon versus Brandon Cutler? And Griff Garrison in a triple threat match? Oh, no. just I mean, you... no, no triple threat. I know that Tony loves his uh, stipulation matches, but... Well, I mean, at that point, you know, you got to go Brandon Cutler, my man, Mr. Dungeons and Dragons himself. Um, anyway, we don't want to f- veer too far off the path, my friend, because next it is the inner circle. They are taking on Las Vegas. And I got to say, man, through, through all of these segments, the two guys that I think stood out the most are Jake Hager and Wardlow. I feel like their segments in this were actually pretty good. They're just staring at each other. You know, they're doing all kinds of stuff here. But obviously, they're having the inner circle kind of, you know, going at the blackjack table and and, and, and betting some money and, and winning and losing and stuff. Uh, MJF and Jericho go to the bar. They talk about uh, what alcohol they should drink. They land on Everclear, which anyone that knows that has ever drank Everclear, it's like drinking paint thinner. It's terrible. Uh, but, but then Jericho and MJF overact. Um, my man Conan shows up. All right, K-Dog. Big Conan mark here. Um, he says he has something else for him. They get out of the car. My kind of man, there's smoke coming out of the car. You know what? I'm all about this segment with Conan. Um, there, there's some random guy dressed up in a tat or a dragon suit. He has like tattoos and stuff. And oh, I'm sorry, there's a random shirtless guy with tattoos. My bad. Um, and then uh, they just kind of Sammy tells MJF he hates him right before the segment loses or is over. So, I mean, overall, this first part of Vegas, Jay, what'd you think of it? I don't know. I'm, I'm hard pressed to get excited about much of it. Um, Mm. Wardlow and uh, Hager, this Wardlow Hager thing is the only thing that seems exciting out of it. Um, I think, uh, one of one of the members uh, of Proud and Powerful is in on MJF. One of them is out. So I'm interested on seeing how that plays out. I'm interested in seeing a Sammy Guevara face turn. Um, but these are like slow burn storytelling things that I'm, I don't know, not necessarily like, I'm excited about them coming to uh, their full bloom, but I'm not excited about the slow burn of it all if that yeah, makes sense i can get it uh i think jericho quietly gives himself the old rub and tug when he thinks about these segments and <laughs> man i am so hilarious like everything that i do and and you know what jericho's grown on me over the last couple of years i was never a big jericho guy never liked him he got an AEW, and i kind of okay i get it you're starting to put these young guys these segments with mjf are borderline like 
they're ridiculous to the point of of borderline unwatchable. I think Not he's just doing this shit to make Corny mad. I, come on, and man. the is rest there, of it, us are suffering from it. Is there a bigger mark in the wrestling business for themselves than Chris Jericho right now? No, Excalibur, I, maybe. Yeah, Excalibur. When he says "Tope Suicida," Tope times. Suicida. I don't times. need. Oh my god, it's terrible. I mean, but uh, but look, uh, there is Tope Suicida. Look at that. So, uh, but there is more. Uh, to I was going to hit you with a random tope somewhere later down in the card, and you're not going to be ready for it. Very excited. Uh, next, we get John Moxie. Surprise, surprise! Is in a back room, uh, cut a promo. He talks about his dad and says he was six three, two hundred fifty pounds, and he was a big, scary guy that picked him up from the police station all the time. His dad told him they're the good guys. Moxie, you know, he, he goes on and says people have been trying to steal the championship from him, but he knows what he has to do and he always gets the job done. Moxie said that he can take on all challengers and that he's got a pregnant wife at home. That's the big announcement, him and Renee Young expecting a child. That's kind of exciting, I guess. Um, and that he is he's a champion on two different continents because he is still uh, a, a champion in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, he said that his match with Kenny Omega, he knows that Kenny Omega is one of the best wrestlers in the world and that he is, he's John Moxley and that, and that this is never going to change. I got to tell you, Jay, this promo was probably my, one of my favorite Moxley promos. I know I said a couple of weeks ago, his promo with Kingston was his best ever. This one wasn't too shabby either. I think. I think Moxley's promos are starting to grow on me a little bit. What says yeah, you? Yeah, well, ne- ne- see, you're a classic wrestling fan. You'll never be happy. You won't be happy with John Moxley as champion until John Moxley's not the champion anymore. Well, it's it's that classic Tom Brady syndrome, you know, where you're like, uh, man, I really hate Tom Brady until, you know, he retires, and then five years later, you're like, wow, I was really witnessing greatness. Why couldn't I just enjoy it? You know, so uh, maybe that's what we're seeing here with Moxie. Maybe we're seeing a resurgence of a character that uh, is really good. You know, somebody that carried AEW in their infancy, you know, and and now maybe it's his turn because I totally think Omega's beating him December 2nd. Oh, obviously. I, I think Omega's winning the title, and I think they're going to build to Omega and Page at uh, what Revolution would be the next one. Only for um, Page so- to lose again. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, but here, I mean, I think Moxie did fine. Uh, John Moxie, congratulations on the on the uh, pregnancy announcement. That's a cool way to kind of work it into a promo, you know. But uh, overall, though, I was a pretty big fan of the segment. You know what can I say? Yeah, it was I'm good. A, it was good. Yeah. So, uh, insider information: John's actually going to name his kid Silky. Solid. I mean, he's a big fan of the show, so yeah. why the hell not? Um, next, John, we have Miro and they're doing great. Yeah, anyway, exactly. moving on. Uh, Miro's on commentary for the next match because why the fuck not? Um, and he comes out. He's obviously out there because it, it is Kip Sabian and Orange Cassidy. What a snooze fest this this bad boy was. Um, obviously, Orange Cassidy going for the pockets the whole time. Kip Sabian, you know, early on kind of cuts him off and hits some arm drags and things like that. There is some nice. Uh, there is some nice like. Uh, back and forth here uh Cassidy hits a diving DDT that gets a great near fall um you know and they're just kind of going back and forth eventually Orange Cassidy wins with the mousetrap because he has the worst move names ever the mousetrap come on man you're killing me with this anyway he 
He wins, and then we continue to not take Kip Sabian seriously, right? I mean, Kip it's Sabian, Diet Finn Balor. Kip Sabian needs to stop wrestling and become Miro's valet. And maybe, uh, maybe one day they will listen to the best analysts in the game. Maybe someday they'll listen, but needs, I don't know. He just needs to manage uh, Miro and Penelope Ford. Or he needs to get... Miro honestly needs to get distance from Kip Sabian. But if they're going to put them together, uh, it needs to be a manager situation. And you just make Kip stop wrestling altogether. Because it's not there. And uh, have him manage Penelope Ford because she's much more talented. Jay is trying this new uh, thing where he says the same thing five times and hopefully it comes true one of these days because I'm on that train also. Please. Uh, I think I think Kip Sabian would be, or Diet Finn Balor, whichever one you would like to uh, refer to him as, I think he would be better in a manager role because I think he's he's good on the mic and I think that he would be that he would be a Sammy Guevara type where you just want to kick his ass every week. So Um, after the match, Miro runs down and he beats up Orange Cassidy, which obviously brings out best friends. Um, I'm assuming they're building to Miro and Kip Sabian versus the best friends. Have we not had this match yet? I thought we had this match. I mean, look, I sports based presentation was what we were promised. And uh, so far so good on that. But uh, next, we do have the Moxley and Omega contract signing. Uh, Kenny Omega comes out with all the bells and whistles of the Justin Roberts entrance, which now sounds like it is voiced over. It's I don't the first time it happened. I was like, oh, this is kind of funny. And then the more that it's happened, it's gotten worse. And the dancers aren't moving the needle for anyone. And this North Carolina thing needs to stop. Like it was funny the first couple times, like when he's in his match with pages, his opponent is not from, but is close to North Carolina, all the Michael Jordan and the Chicago bulls. Mm. Uh, it's, yeah. it's gotten old way fast. It's worn out. It's welcome very quickly. Well, you know, uh, I tend to agree with you, Jay, which is not something we do a lot on this show. So, um, But uh, he comes out, and obviously Tony Schiavone's in the ring. Tony Schiavone serves a very mean Gene Okerlund kind of vibe in AEW, and I'm all for it. Because I think Tony Schiavone, out of anybody on the announcer's booth or anybody like in the ring or anything, I think Tony Schiavone's one of my favorite people in AEW. And I don't know if it's because I grew up in WCW and I grew up listening to him and he's truly the choice the voice of my childhood jim ross obviously for all wrestling fans is really the one but tony Schiavone for me um is a big part of of my wrestling as a child so i'll always be a big fan and i'm right now i'm currently going through all the wcw pay-per-views in 1997 where tony Schiavone was really at the peak of his game so uh i'll start i'll stop marking out for tony Schiavone, uh and then we will go to uh John Moxie music playing, and he's laid out in the back. It's the classic who done it. It's a classic who done it storyline. John Moxie laid out in the back, but then Kenny Omega doesn't seem very sympathetic. He says John Moxie cannot run from me anymore, and he signs the contract anyway. So, Jay, who do you think ends up being the attacker? Is it Omega? I don't know if I care. <laughs> I'm like honestly. I don't know. I'm. I. It might be Omega. It might be Paige. Um, honestly, I don't care. <laughs> this was like this was unnecessary. 
because they've gone to the well too many times with this one. Yeah, I mean, I can, I, I can't disagree with you on that, which is sad. You know, I can't, I can't disagree with you when you say stuff like that because who really cares? Let's just get to this match and, and have Omega win the title already. Like all this other stuff is irrelevant. Like, like the writing is on the wall. Like it was in the tournament. Again, when you see Omega facing who he faced in the first round and Paige face, come on, man. You know that was leading to those two facing each other. Like, and so, like, no I, dirty I, I don't know. pool. Just make, like, just get, get your shit straight, have a match, be done with it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, look, I, I'm excited for the match, and we're just going to have to see how they build it up. Uh, and until we get to December 2nd, winter is coming, the show. I'm you telling know, so. you, man, one of these days we're going to have a Vince Russo in a pole match, and it's not going to be funny for anyone. Like, it's, it's not... just mark my words, Vince Russo on a pole match is happening in AEW. We're I don't gonna know feel when, like we got... but it'll happen sometime, and you, can, and you can say that you heard it here first. All right. Well, hey, look, uh, it's uh, a lot of us will have just our adulthood ripped away from us when that happens. So uh, we do get the second part of the Las Vegas inner circle kind of thing going on. Obviously, this is a hangover parody. They're on the roof of the hotel. They're all smashed. And uh, there's an Elvis impersonator. He says he's part of the inner circle. Uh, MJF does like a wolf pack speech like Zach Galifianakis did on the hangover. Uh, they wake up. Uh, they don't know what happened. MGF has writing all over his face. Um, and Jericho has no idea where everybody is. Sammy Guevara is sitting in a fountain for some reason. Uh, Santana and Ortiz are over there. One of them's lifting weights, and the other one's just walking around with Jericho. I, I got to tell you, man, the, in the entire time I'm watching this, the entire time I'm watching this, all the way up until you see Hornswoggle in a diaper in the bathroom, I just... Like, did they think this was hysterical when they were shooting this? They had did to. They have. Think, they, I, did they think this was the funniest thing ever? That's what like, I think. That's what made it unfunny was that they uh, were just genuinely trying too hard on the Hangover parody, and I didn't think that the Hangover was a funny movie to begin with. So ooh, maybe that's take. maybe that's where they lost me early. But okay. this was just like this was worse by far than the first one. Like the first one was like C minus work, D plus work, maybe somewhere around there. This was like bad. This was like uh, you're failing with four percent bad. Like, well, I'm okay. So I'm not going to be as hard. Not funny. Blah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, look, I, I, I'm I not enjoy gonna... comedy when it's Jesus supposed to be Christ. There. No, hear Would me you... out. I enjoy comedy when it's supposed to be there. It's not supposed to be there. This is annoying. Okay. Um, so, like, MJF, so this this is not how you build MJF as a credible star. I don't care what anybody no. says. I don't care what – this guy needs to win matches in the ring. I don't care. I know he's got a personality. I know that already. Like, you don't have to keep showing this. I know that already. MJF needs to get wins in the ring. Because let's not forget, this is a wrestling show. You know, this Sports isn't like entertainment, Lance. This, this isn't the Hangover. You know, <laughs> like 
This is I I I'll I'll never I'll never understand it. Anyway, uh, I thought this kind of fell flat for me personally, but what are you gonna do? Because um, they're just gonna keep doing it no matter what we say, even though we are the most you know are the most recognized pundits on this. You know, I just think that uh, I don't know. But uh, it's announced that Chris Jericho and Jake Hager are going to be facing SCU next week, so we get to look forward to that. I Very think SCU stuff. can get a good match out of Jericho and Hager. I th- three out of the four people in this tag team match can work. Yeah, so I'm excited so, to see that. Yeah, so um, next we have Eddie Kingston putting on the headset for commentary. He calls Tony Schiavone a lowlife. I got a big laugh out of that. It, was <laughs> it is the funny. Blade. It is the Blade taking on Pac. Um, look. I feel like this match went 12 minutes too long, my friend. Uh, Pac should have walked in here and destroyed this guy. I mean, I I don't know, man. This is this guy's first match back after being, you know, quarantined for corona and all that. Um, he's back here. And I think, look, if you don't want him to destroy the Blade, which, you know, he was... He was, uh, is in Eddie, King, Eddie Kingston's faction, of course. But, like, if you don't want him to destroy the Blade for whatever reason, then don't put him in the match with him. Put him in a match with, like, come on. You can't put Pac in the match with, like, Peter Avalon and just have him destroy him in five seconds? Doesn't that come off a little bit better than Pac just running through this guy who, obviously, you're high on. The but- the Butcher and the Blade have been getting more and more, you know, TV time and things like that. I just feel like Pac would have been better served destroying somebody rather than having, like, a competitive match, what they did here. Because I think it just, I don't know. Like, it's just, if you're building Pac to be in the title picture, which I think you absolutely should, the guy looks like a million bucks. But, like, if you're going to have him in, like, a title picture, is going 12 minutes with the Blade really the right way to do this? You know? I mean, obviously, they hit all this stuff. Um, and and Pac is super athletic for how built he is. You know, I, I think that gets lost in a lot of people, but he he's very athletic. Uh I mean Blade hits a doctor bomb and he gets some, you know, a couple of other things in, but Pac does hit a super kick uh, and power slams him. And Kingston's complaining on commentary. Kingston on commentary is one of my favorite things in wrestling as of late. Very big fan of it. Yeah, but after after about eleven and a half minutes. Pac hits the uh, shooting star press into the brutalizer, which looks like it hurts, right? I'm not the only one that says that, right? I mean, I I don't know. It doesn't look fun. I, yeah, it does not look fun. What were your thoughts on the blade against Pac? I don't think it hurts the blade in the slightest for him to lose a match against uh, Pac. Like, not, not at saying- all. Because he's in a tag team, and he's Eddie Kingston's lackey. So, of course, it doesn't matter if he loses, if he gets squashed. I'm back. not saying it. I'm not saying, like, it. I'm not saying it hurts him by losing. I'm saying, like, obviously, the Blade has been protected and in a spot as of late where the Butch and the Blade are kind of, you know, in the upper echelon of, of tag teams. I mean, they're featured on Dynamite every week. And if you think so highly of the guy, why put him, why feed him the pack? Obviously, Pac's winning this match. You know, like, Pac, if you had any other outcome other than Pac winning this match, then you shouldn't be booking wrestling. You know, but what I'm saying is, yes, but Pac shouldn't lose until he loses a world title match or wins the belt. Like, Pac's the kind of guy, you don't just have, do a job clean to some guy, all right? So, obviously, the Blade wasn't winning this match. What I'm saying, though, is, if you're so high on the butcher and the blade as a team or singles or whatever, 
you can't put him in a massive pack and expect it, you know, to, to really do what you want it to. You know, you need to put, like, I wouldn't even have minded if, if Orange Cassidy was fed to this guy again. You know, I mean, he just beat the hell out of him. But, uh, but look, I have let my feelings known. That's how I feel about it. Anyway, after the match, um, Pac picks up the mic. Obviously, they're leading to Pac and Eddie Kingston. They have a little bit of an exchange. Uh, his uh, his stablemates in the Death Triangle, which are Penta and Ray Phoenix, come down. Uh, Ray Phoenix takes a beating. And then Penta comes down, teases that he's going to hit his brother with the chair, but in fact chases everyone off with it. And Pac, Ray Phoenix... And uh, Penta stand tall in the ring. So, are you excited about this reformation of the Death Triangle? And how excited are you that obviously they're building to butcher the Blade, Eddie Kingston against Pack, and then these two guys? I'm not excited about a six man match. Um, I would be excited to see Pack and Eddie Kingston. I think after that, Eddie Kingston can't afford to take any more losses if he's going to be as prominent on Dynamite as he has been. Yeah, I agree. Again, that's what I'm talking about. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you're protecting these guys. You can't be having them do jobs clean in the ring. You know, like, I just, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. That's just an old school, you know, kind of thought. But, uh, but I mean, look, I I think it's going to be interesting. I'm not really excited for the six man match that AEW loves, apparently. But, you know, is this a, uh, like, is Pac a babyface now? Like, that's, confusing i don't know i assume he would be the baby face in this situation this heels versus heels business is getting old yeah <laughs> look look jay in aew heels and faces don't matter my friend yeah oh, they you're do right. not matter you're they right do not matter so because um, you have guys teetering on the line of both and then one week cody was a heel leading up to his match with the Darby Allen, and then after the match, shakes his hand, and he's a babyface. Confusing much. I don't understand. Anyway, uh, speaking of Cody, Brandy, everybody's favorite woman wrestler. Just admit that you have uh, a crush on Brandy. I do have a crush on Brandy Rose because I think she's a very strong, independent woman that does a lot of great things for AEW and, and just women in general. Again, I couldn't be less interested in a feud with her and Jade Cargill. You know why, Jay? Tell me why. Because Brandy Rhodes is not a credible wrestler to me, and that's okay. That's okay. Stephanie McMahon once held the women's title. Nobody thought that she was a great women's wrestler. I don't think Brandy Rhodes is a great wrestler. I don't. And I don't think I'm in the minority by saying that. With that being said, I think she does a lot of great things outside of the ring that I think she should keep up. Uh, again, I'm very, I'm very, very pro Brandy Rhodes, except when it comes to getting in the ring. I just don't care. There's nothing about Brandy Rhodes that gets me excited. Nothing. When, when, as far as her move sets or the way she just handles herself in the ring, it's just very cookie cutter. How this Jade Cargill's going to do, I have no clue because I've never seen her wrestle. So. That's all I'll say about that. Are you excited about this feud at all? No. Okay, well, I was just clearing that up since you love <laughs> you love to pound the home the fact that uh, that I think Brandy Rhodes is, I mean, she's the next Ric Flair so of the women's division. But uh, next we get the N- NWA women's title we've all been waiting for, the rematch, Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa. And I got to say, Jay, right off the top, this is the kind of women's match that AEW should have 
all the time. I liked it. It wasn't the best match in the world, but there's a lot of good intensity here. I think Thunder Rosa is a great, great wrestler. And I don't think Serena Deeb's too shabby herself. Uh, there's a lot of back and forth. There's a spear. Um, Thunder Rosa hits a German suplex and then a missile drop kick. I mean, there's a lot of back and forth in here. In the end, Serena does hook the arms and she, uh, you know, just plants her with her move. I don't know what, even what it's called. And she r- retains the title, which I was very, I, I was a big fan of this match. I don't know why, Jay. What says you? I, I liked the match. I didn't like the ending. Yeah, the ending was a little weird. It's, okay, I it's mean, like that... AEW does. AEW makes a habit of doing this, where the high spot in the match is not the finish. It just ends up being some fucking roll up. Yep. Um, yep. Which is it's annoying. So like, I don't remember who comes out and hits her with the chair. Do you remember Britt Baker? Britt Baker. Britt Baker. Yeah, Britt Baker comes out and interferes. That's right. Um, she hits her with a DDT behind the ref's back. Then mm-hmm. Deeb hits a power bomb for a two count. Like make the match end there. Because yeah. then it's it's protecting Thunderosa because it's not a clean win. And it's protecting Deeb because Deeb has it's protecting Deeb as a babyface because she has genuinely no idea that this happened. Like this is just they had it. They they had it. It was right there in their hands, and then they lost it. Well, let me ask you this: How do you feel about AEW? What it seems like promoting the NWA Women's Title and putting more emphasis on that over their own women's title? It's a it's an indication on the state of the AEW Women's Division. I think I I can't disagree with you on that. I can't because. Again, over full gear, we talked about it, you know. Uh, It was Hikaru Shida, and it was, you know, Nyla Rose. We've seen that match 12 times now. Obviously, they're building the Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa here because after the match, Britt Baker gets kind of involved, and they they start going at it. But, like, I'm a big fan. Britt Baker is ringside and then gets drug out by Thunder Rosa. Yeah, like, so, I mean, That makes no fucking sense. Well, I mean, it is what it is. Like, I think that... uh, Oh boy. I don't know. Like Britt Baker taking on Thunder Rosa is an exciting prospect for me, but I do think that Britt Baker should be focusing on the AEW women's title rather than the, uh, the women over in NWA, unless they're going to sign Thunder Rosa, which who knows at this point, uh, we get a, uh, a segment with the dark order, John Silver talking and, and Anna Jay talking about how she's going to get a title match, um, next week on on dynamite and I don't I don't anticipate a title change although I have been surprised before. Um uh next week's episode's already recorded and on Reddit somebody spoiled it so if you really want to know what happened go over to Reddit and read about it. Um Akaro Sheena and Anna Jay for the women's title. Pack and Ray Phoenix will take on Butcher and the Blade. Uh Chris Jericho and Jay Kager against SCU. After reading that lineup, Jay, are you asleep? Uh I'm not asleep. Okay. All right. I'm just making sure. Um, I, all I got to say is, you know what? If we were going to miss a week, next week is probably the week. I mean, it's the day before Thanksgiving. They're probably just going to flag it in anyway. Yeah. Um, which brings us to the main event. It is Darby Allen and Cody Rhodes, obviously, coming out with Arn Anderson, taking on Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. Taz is on 
uh, commentary as usual. Um, and, and this here, this here, Jay, I got to say, man, mm-hmm. there was a lot of this that I liked and a lot of this that was just so-so. Um, I think that uh, I, I'm, I don't know how I feel about Ricky Starks yet. I've seen him a lot in the ring here. You know, I just don't know how I feel about him. Uh, obviously, um, Cody and, and, and Darby Allen have the upper hand, but Brian Cage and Ricky Starks really are, are dominant a lot throughout um, because uh, the, the thing that, that really just blew me away about this match was was the lack of selling on Darby Allen's part. I was not a big fan of it. Mm. Um, Cage hits a power bomb, and, and Darby Allen just, like, he's not even affected by it. Dude. Brian Cage outweighs this guy by like 120 pounds. And if he power bombs you, you should be going through the mat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and look, I've never wrestled in my life, but I don't know. Um, but uh, I, there's so much I could say about this match, but there's just not, I don't know. Look, I think that it is the right move, believe it or not. I think is the right move don't for say Brian Cage. I think it's the right move for don't Brian Cage it. and Ricky Starks to win the match. Please don't say um, it. <laughs> Brian Cage does he <sighs> he pins he pins Allen after hitting him with a drill claw off the middle ropes. Jesus Christ, Jay. He's gonna kill somebody with that move. He is. Um yeah, but uh but look, I think all four guys came out kind of looking all right. Um, you know, obviously you're a fan of Brian Cage and his facial hair and everything like that. I'm not you're a fan a of Brian team. Cage's facial hair. I'm okay. I'm, his work is starting to grow on me, but I'm not okay. a fan of his facial hair. He's a freak you know, athlete. Actually, yeah. You know, it's actually funny. I, I watched, um, I just watched Slamboree 97, the old WCW pay-per-view and Scott Steiner was in a match, the Steiner brothers against the, the dungeon of doom. And, uh, I gotta say, man. Rick or uh, Brian Cage is Scott Steiner in 2020 because some of the moves that Scott Steiner was doing in 1997, the Frankensteiner and, and he did the drill claw. That was his finisher, you know? And, and so Brian Cage really maps his game after Scott Steiner. And I think that that's, that's a good thing and a bad thing, you know, as long as you don't go down the same path Steiner did later in his career, but I wonder uh, if their math is similar. I mean, I, I suppose so. Obviously, you're talking about that infamous Samoa Joe. <laughs> there's, there's, but, not uh, a, there's not a better promo in the history of wrestling than the Scott Steiner math promo. Um, yeah, I'm, but I, I will put it up against anything. But what did I'm you gonna, think of this main event? I Sure, it's the right move to have Ricky Starks and Brian Cage win the match, but is it the right call to have Darby Allin, your brand new champion, get pinned? Yeah, well, obviously they're building dominant. Don't don't let him take the loss. Make Cody take the loss. Cody can afford it. Well, look, obviously they're building the Brian Cage and Darby Allen. I wouldn't be surprised if Ricky Starks gets a win over Darby Allen in the next couple of weeks. And there's a triple threat match between Brian Cage, Ricky Starks and Darby Allen at Revolution for the TNT title. That would be interesting. I honestly believe that might be what's happening. If I'm being completely honest. I think it might be a triple threat match pitting two members of Team Taz against Darby Allen for the TNT title or a handicap match, you know. But I think that's where they're going. Obviously, they teased it at uh, full gear, you know, with both of them grabbing the belts and having like a tug of war over it. Um, but uh, I would not be shocked if that's the the road they're going to go down. So uh, I thought the match was good overall. I thought, you know, 12 minutes was about where it needed to be. 
Uh, I'd say, you know, any main event match, if you're between 12 and 15 minutes, that's, that's, that's good. Um, but after the match is where, you know, really all the, all the bacon and eggs happen, if you will. Uh, Taz comes down to celebrate with his guys. They're holding the FTW title. Um, they continue beating on Allen and they, and they beat on Cody. And, and obviously the refs are, or the heels are, are there really doing some damage. Um, nobody was down to break it up, which I thought was kind of weird, you know. Um, Will Hobbs comes down yeah, with a last chair. Week they had to pull apart like, in, and immediately there were officials out. They're just picking and choosing what's good and what's not at this point. I honestly just and, think anytime, anytime you see a brawl and there's no referees, it's just weird. Like, this is weird. this is another thing that AEW like earlier when Moxley is laid out and not coming down to the ring. They've gone to the well too many times with this, where somebody after a match is beating somebody up. There's poor sportsmanship in AEW. The, the sportsmanship is not a part of the culture in all elite wrestling. And it's just, it's, a, it's fucking embarrassing. It's head-scratchingly annoying. Like, it's an anomaly when somebody's not beating somebody up after a match. Like, the match is not enough. Every single match in AEW needs to become a street fight or to have some sort of nuclear heat uh, at the end of it so that you can sell some sort of poor storyline uh, that will only last for three to six weeks. Again, we are, uh, again, we are critical because we care and we want AEW to, to flourish. Um, I, but, I'm, just, but, I'm getting ready to pull out what little hair I have left. All right. Uh, Will Hobbs does come down to the ring, uh, obviously going to help Cody and Darby Allen. Cody gets up to his feet, and Will Hobbs hits him with the FTW title, effectively turning him heel and, and having him join Team Taz. I don't know how I feel about this, Jay. How do you feel about Will Hobbs joining this group? <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a little confusing, a little out of nowhere. This is uh, this is as, <laughs> this stable is as mid-card as mid-card gets, buddy. You ever want to talk about... They're not quite the job squad, but they're like, but they're the a little elevated. Like they're, they're not a little quite higher than the job squad. Yeah, they're a little higher than the job squad. Shout out my man, Al Snow. But uh, look, <laughs> I don't think there could be a more collective group of mid-card talent than Team Taz. Like nobody in that group screams to me, Wow, that guy's gonna be an AEW world champion. One, even Brian Cage. I just don't. I don't know right now. I'm still kind of. I'm still kind of whatever. You know, it's gonna be interesting to kind of see. I still, my jury's still out on Will Hobbs. I haven't seen enough of them to really make a judgment yet. I don't know. I guess they're thinking that Taz can take all these guys under his wing and 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 help them out, which I'm sure that I'm sure he can. But I just don't know how interested I am in any of these guys. If we're being honest. Mm-hmm. Like, especially enough to be in a main event match. Like, am I really that interested? Not really. You know what I mean? No. Like, again, I think I think they're building towards one of these guys or both of them challenging for the TNT title. So um, now with Will Hobbs joining the group, it could be a fatal four-way. I don't know. But uh, I'm just saying, like, I just – right now at the top of AEW, obviously you're building a Moxley and Omega in December 2nd. That's, that's all fine and good, and that's going to be a big match. But, man – some of these main events the last couple of weeks have just been kind of kind of shaky. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously you're trying to build some storylines and Cody's out there trying to put guys over and Darby Allen, you're trying to push him as a megastar. But, I mean, look, you're having him lose clean as a whistle in this match. Week like after said, week, I consistently forget what the main event is supposed to be 
because their main events have just been that snoozable. Yeah, I I don't like. I, I see I, the women's match come on, and I'm like, oh, that means we're close to the end. Shit, what's the main event supposed to be again? Oh, that's yeah. right. And I don't remember yeah. it until they come out to the ring. I got you. I got you. But uh, that was the this week's episode of Dynamite on on November 18th. Um, just a reminder, we won't be here next week uh, to talk about Dynamite. I, I will be making a trek cross country during a pandemic, so that should be all kinds of fun. Uh, make sure you check out the sponsor for the show, the Whole Fast Coffee Company. Go to wholefastcoffeeco.com and use that promo code HEELTURN20 to get 20% off your basket today. Me and Silky are going to be coming back to you with the December 2nd show. Kenny Omega and John Moxley will be headlining that for the AEW world title. That's going to be an exciting match, and the weeks leading up to it are sure to be um, exciting as well. Uh, make sure you check out our other shows on the radio network. Uh, we got uh, the Heel Turn Collective podcast where me and our boy Shane Riley go at it every single Tuesday so make sure you check that out and obviously on Saturday mornings we'll be bringing you one with the undercard here with me and Silky J. Johnson. I'm at Collective Heel on Twitter. Please feel free to hit me up anytime and call me a dickhead or whatever kind of uh, slur you want to call me. Um, Also, Jay doesn't have a Twitter. We've went through this and I'm just going to sign him up for one just as a good laugh. So um, and with all that being said, Jay, is there anything else you want to say before we get on stepping down the road? I don't want a Twitter. I don't well, want to be on the internet more than I have to be. I mean, I don't blame you because Twitter's toxic, but, you know. Anyway, uh, the holidays are coming up. Uh, make sure that you're doing things responsibly. As we mentioned earlier, Lance and I will be spending a portion of the holiday together, but we will be doing it safely, so I encourage you to do the same Uh, when you visit with your relatives uh, so that you can enjoy Thanksgiving with them in years to come. And uh, that is all I have to say about that. Uh, Have a great week. Have a great holiday. Take care of each other, and we'll see you next time. Yep, yep. Winter is coming. Yes, Winter is Coming is the next show that we will be bringing you. Uh, But, yes, uh, I'm going to echo a lot of the thoughts Jay just said there. Make sure you take take caring of yourself. Make sure you take care of everybody else around you. Uh, This pandemic is about taking care of other people, not just ourselves. So we need to keep that in mind. Um, This isn't just about us and and everything else. So make sure you're taking all the proper precautions. I know being away from loved ones during a holiday is no fun. uh, But you know what? Small sacrifices we make now that we won't have to deal with down the road. So uh, make sure you're just taking care of business and... and, uh, travel safely i know i will be masking up all the time and i suggest that you all uh do the same with that i am lance he is silky j johnson and winter is coming my friend friends i guess uh plural friend uh but uh but but i gotta say you know we will be back december 2nd to talk about that big event but until then friends we'll see you later have a great week